G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Coming up today on The Story. One day I heard some singing in the in one of the classrooms and so I peeked in and took a look and said what, what's going on and it turns out it was something called the Christian Union and they invited me in and I said I'm not a Christian and they said come in anyway and I was too shy to say no so I went in and it turned out to be really nice people and, and they befriended me and as a guy who basically had no friends uh, that was good so I started hanging around them The Story, the story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, one of the great things about Facebook is that you can connect with friends all over the world. For example, several years ago, Eric Scadabo and his wife hosted a program called the International Friendship Program on shortwave radio. And one friend he made was a regular listener in Malaysia named Dr. Ian Chai. Fast forward several years and Eric found out that Dr. Chai in Malaysia is Facebook friends with a couple he knows from the other side of the world in his hometown in the United States. How did it come about and how did Ian become a Christian in the first place? We'll find out today as Ian shares his story with us. He's joining us from his home in Malaysia and is chatting with Eric Scatterbo. Dr. Ian Chai, welcome to the program. Thank you. Glad to have you with us. And how's the weather up there in Malaysia today? Well, um, it's sunny. And I, as I like to say, uh, it, it never snows here. It, it didn't even snow here in the last ice age. So <laughs> it's always summer. So it's either sunny or it's raining. That's it. <laughs> well, glad that you could join us all the way through the internet for this conversation today. Yes, we've been friends for several years, but until recently, I never had a chance to chat with you. So this is great. Yeah. And you have quite a story to tell, and I'm interested to find out more about you today. Let's go all the way back to your childhood. What was it like being raised in Malaysia? Well, um, first of all, um, I have this interesting name. It's, it's Ian, which actually is a Chinese and Scottish name at the same time, because my parents met in Australia, and they had typical Chinese names, and the Australians had so much trouble with their names, they decided their children were not going to have that problem. And Ian's a really common name in Australia. So, oh, so how come your parents were in uh, Australia? A university. Oh, okay. So your parents originally met in Australia before going back to Malaysia? Yes, they were from different states in Malaysia. Okay, and then what was your home life like? Um, I, I have generally good parents um, and moral people. Um, my father uh, is an atheist. Um, well, actually, here in Malaysia, you don't tend to say atheist when I was growing up. You, you did not used to say atheist when I was growing up because... Uh, atheism was associated with communism and Malaysia is really anti-communist. Mm-hmm. So he used to call himself a, a free thinker. Uh, my mom's more of a traditional Taoist Buddhist. Okay, so neither of them were Christians. How did you become a Christian? Well, um, yeah, my father, he's, he's a really nice man. He continues to be a really nice man. In fact, a lot of people think that he's a Christian because he's such a nice man. Hmm. And <laughs> yeah, But he, he had this attitude about religion is that, you know, it doesn't make sense and so he would make occasional remarks about, yeah, you know, the, the, see, they do this and, and that doesn't make sense. And yeah. It's a, and so I grew up having a negative view of religion. And unlike my father, I, I thought that 
you know, if there is no God, then nobody should believe in God. And I was by attitude quite a militant atheist. Oh. But at the same time, I had a poor self-image. And so I didn't really do much about that militancy other than having the attitude about it. And I was the kind of kid who liked to sit and read books. You know, I was into mm-hmm. Hardy Boys and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Malaysia, there was this practice of after the final examinations at the end of the school year, you still had to go back to school, except that there were no lessons. I never understood why that was, but it meant that the kids had nothing to do. Mm-hmm. And there were roaming bands of bullies that would go around because they had nothing to do Mm -hmm. and they would bully people and who do you think they'd like to bully but the kid who sits in the corner and reads a book oh so i was bullied so much and there was this unspoken rule that if someone comes up behind you and hurts you and then you turn around and there's this whole bunch of them and you can't identify who did it you can't retaliate Mm. Well, I just got pushed to the brink until finally one day I brought the kitchen knife to school and I was determined to murder the ringleader. Oh, wow. As far as I know, I was never reprimanded for that because I had complained to the teachers so many times and they did nothing. And so my, I think that when I tried to kill the bully, they realized that they were at fault for not stopping the bullying in the first place. And I never got reprimanded for that. But I still had this um, hatred in my heart against this ringleader guy. Mm-hmm. And then we went to, but, but we went just to wait, high school. So, so somehow they were able to stop you with the knife? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was just a little kid. So this was in year six. And so the teachers managed to stop me, fortunately, before I could actually... <laughs> before it became a police case. <laughs> yeah, so, so you didn't harm anybody, thank goodness. I, I didn't actually, yeah, I didn't actually. Mm-hmm. But the, the bullying stopped after that. But I still had this hatred in my heart for this guy. And we all went to secondary school. And one day, quite early in the school year, something like February, I think our school year starts in January. I think it was something like February. I heard some singing in, the, in one of the classrooms at the secondary school during recess. And so I peeked in and took a look and said, what, what's going on? And it turns out it was something called the Christian Union. And it was a bunch of kids who were having worship, fellowship and stuff. And they invited me in and I said, I'm not a Christian. And they said, come in anyway. And huh. I was like, mm. uh, I was too shy to say no. So I went in <laughs> and it turned out to be really nice people. And, and they befriended me. And there's a guy who basically had no friends. Uh, that was good. Yeah. So I start hanging around them. But after I got to know them, then of course my my shyness disappeared around them at least. And I got we got into these humdinger uh, arguments because I was still a militant atheist. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember the details of those arguments because this was so long ago, but essentially they managed to answer my questions, my objections. But I didn't want to admit I was wrong, so I kind of stopped going to see them for a while, but they must have kept for me because uh, sometime later uh, 
someone put a, a one of those chain letters that you know those standard chain letters if you make five copies and send to all these people then then all these good things will happen to you but huh. if you don't then all these bad things will happen to you and yeah. by golly you see so and so didn't do it and this bad thing happened you, you know the standard chain <laughs> yeah. letter right yeah. and you never stop to think how did those incidents about the bad things that happened to the people who didn't send it on get put in the chain letter because it wouldn't have been in the chain letter in the first <laughs> place right but yeah. never mind i I, as a good atheist, I was like, this is religious nonsense. I'm going to just not do it. And that nagging feeling kept in my head. I, finally, I went to the leader of the Christian Union. And he said, well, you know, even though the chain letter supposedly was written by some priest, some Christian priest, well, it's not Christian and this is nonsense. And, but you know what's not nonsense is that if you have Jesus in your heart, he's greater than any of these things. Mm-hmm. So because my my uh, logical ob- objections my, had already been answered earlier. It was just the emotional refusal to step over the line that mm. pushed it over the line. So it's, it's really interesting how the Lord used a tool of the devil, a chain letter, <laughs> yeah. to bring me to Christ. Yeah. So then you accepted <laughs> Jesus as your savior? Yes. And then after that, I, I went to Singapore for boarding school. And got I went to a, a decent church there, uh, of which is a, from a major denomination. But I also got exposed to some people who insisted that all translations of the Bible were not correct, except for the King James Version. And they actually were referring to that denominational church that I was going to as like an apostate church or something. Oh. <laughs> uh, so this kind of confused you as a young Christian. Yeah. And so I still stayed in it that main denominational church, but I started using only the King James Version and stuff like that. And then I finished my O-Levels, uh, which is the end of high school mm-hmm. uh, in Singapore. Yep. And I applied for university. I, I got in in the United States and mm-hmm. I moved there. And so I naturally just went to the nearest same denominational church, right? Because mm-hmm. yep. in Singapore, I had this decent church. It was a main mainline denomination. I went to the one in, in the city that I moved to in the United States for university. And man, that just hit me left. I almost lost my faith because here were people who were supposedly the same denomination that I was in in Singapore. And they were denying the, the sovereignty of God and things like that. I almost lost my faith. Oh, so are you saying that this particular denomination that you went to in the United States. You were in Kansas, the state of Kansas, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I was. This denomination that you went to, it obviously was quite more liberal than the one you were used to going to in their theology. Yeah, and, and they were saying that, well, you know, maybe this, this part of the Bible isn't really true, and maybe this is the end. And, and God seems to not have the, uh, the power to do certain things. And I'm you know, and, and like, wait. <laughs> And, I, and it probably didn't help that I was going through culture shock at the same time. You mean culture shock just being in the United States? Yeah, because mm-hmm. the culture in the United States is, of course, quite different from Malaysia yeah. and Singapore. Yeah. And I, I honestly cannot quite remember what the specifics were anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because obviously I, I have gotten over it and, and, and became quite comfortable in the United States eventually. But mm-hmm. at that point, in hindsight, I think a lot of my struggles with the faith was not only because of this liberal church, but also because of the the culture shock happening at the same time. Oh, okay. So it's, it's all just happening all at once. 
yeah, it, it was all happening. It's, it's all I, I moved there, I, and mm-hmm. and I'm starting university, and and I, you know, it's a new culture. I didn't have to deal with staying away from my parents because I was in boarding school in Singapore, but everything else was different. You're listening to the story. Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with Dr. Ian Chai, who's joining us from his home in Malaysia and is sharing his life journey with us. We just heard how Ian became a Christian and about some of the cultural shock he experienced in the United States, especially when he went to a church of the same denomination in the US that he had been going to in Malaysia, but found out was quite liberal and he almost lost his faith. Next, we'll hear more of Ian's story and more of the challenges he faced navigating his way through the Christian life. All that and more when we return. The Story If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Our guest today is Dr. Ian Chai, who's joining us from his home in Malaysia and is sharing his life journey with us. As we heard before the break, Ian didn't come from a Christian family and background, so after he became a Christian and went to the United States, he had to find his way through denominational differences on his own. But as we'll hear, the Lord led him and helped him mature in his faith through it all. Now, here's more of his conversation with Eric Scatterbo. So um, I then got under the influence of Campus Crusade for Christ, which at first I had avoided because of the word crusade. Crusade's a bad word here in Malaysia. Why is that? Because remember, we are a Muslim country. The crusades were when the evil Europeans went to the Arab countries and killed people. Right. (laughs) So, So that left a negative impression on your mind, even as a Christian in Malaysia. Yeah, so I, I, I went for the navigators. I actually, I actually contacted the navigators because as a Christian from a non-Christian home, I knew I needed fellowship. So I, I immediately I asked for the list of, of societies on campus or clubs on campus. And I looked down, I skipped right over crusade thinking, oh, that must be some militant cult. And <laughs> went to the navigators. I called the navigators and uh, they said, oh, we've got this guy who's um, starting a Bible study for international students. So we put, they put me in touch with him and Lo and behold, it was with Crusade. <laughs> uh, <laughs> although I, we should say that they've since changed their name. In the United States, they're Crew now. Yes, they've changed it to Crew, which yeah. I, I think was a good move because Crusade has, has bad connotations in the right. Muslim world. Really, right. really bad ones. Yeah, which is probably one of the reasons why they changed it. Yeah. But so you kind of went from having your faith rocked by going to this more liberal church in the United States to now having a nice solid Bible study with a fellow believing Christian. Right. And, and, and then Campus Crusade for Christ, the uh, campus director at the time, he was going to this particular church. So I went with him to that particular church mm-hmm. and it turned out it was a church that was very solid on the Bible, but very anti-charismatic as meaning that they believe that the time of miracles is past. Now we have the word that's perfect. So we, we don't need the miracles. And so I, I was under that influence for a while and was basically avoiding the charismatics 
Oh, because they were telling you that charismatics were evil in some way or just wrong? Yeah, like speaking in tongues is like voices from the demons or something. Okay. So you, I, I'm just going to interject in here. As mm -hmm. a young Christian, you were getting confused. First, some people were saying you can only read the King James Version if you're truly a good Christian. Others were saying uh, liberal things where they didn't even really believe the strong basic tenets of the faith. And then now you're getting people who are saying, hey, we're so much better than the Charismatics. I mean, you had to be a bit confused at this point. Um, I'm not sure if I was confused. I was just going with what they were teaching me. and But at the same time, I was also getting this good Bible study from this guy, the, the one doing the international students Bible study. Mm -hmm. So uh, he eventually went off and became a missionary in China uh, oh, okay. until they kicked him out. <laughs> they kicked him out because they figured out he was a missionary and not just an English teacher. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we should say that you are ethnically Chinese, but born in Malaysia. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm what they call a banana. Oh, is that uh, right? Why do they say ye that? Yellow, yellow on the outside and white on the inside. <laughs> I had never heard that term before. My first language is English. I mean, my cognitive yeah. first language is English. And furthermore, my my birth language is not Mandarin Chinese. My birth language is Hokkien Chinese. Oh, okay. Now, getting back to Kansas and the university. Yeah, at, I I did my bachelor's there and. At some point, I, I joined this, the same church that your friends Heather and Rusty were in. That's right. The mutual friends that yes. I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I met them at uh, the church, our home church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And then I'll, let me just say this. When I found out that you were mutual friends with them, I'm like, how in the world does that happen? You're in Malaysia. <laughs> they're in Milwaukee, my hometown. How did you guys meet? Please share with us. How do you know them? Well, that, that church at that time had a big international student ministry. So uh, I left campus, from, left that church on good terms. I, I spoke mm -hmm. to the pastors there and they said, okay, fine. If you're, you feel that, that that other church, which has a big international student ministry, is more in line with what God is calling you to, that's fine. We, we're happy with that because we're all part of the same body of Christ. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I, I moved over to this other church that Heather and Rusty were in. And I served there for several years. I started my master's at that time at the same university. And then I had this opportunity to go to Germany and have a short-term job there. Meanwhile, that church had, Heather and Rusty, in fact, were no longer at the university town. They had moved to the bigger city because the whole church decided that, you know what? People are hanging around in this small university town simply because of the church. And they're not able to get jobs that are commiserate with their university degrees. Mm -hmm. Let's move most of the church over to Kansas City, which is a big city, and that they'll have better job opportunities. And we'll leave behind a deacon to continue to run the church in the university town. And that's, that's what happened. Now, let me just interject here that uh, Rusty, our mutual friend, was a pilot at that time. And then I think was reassigned to my hometown of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And so that's how I eventually met him and Heather there in Milwaukee. So that's kind of the, how the, the story connects, how we had mutual friends, even though we're from different parts of the world. But please continue. Yeah. What happened next in your life? Um, so then I had this opportunity to go to Germany and get some work experience there and also earn Deutschmarks. And <laughs> so I did. And while I was in Germany, that church that was left in the university town the, the deacon actually died of cancer uh, and essentially the university church died. Hmm. So 
uh, when I came back from Germany, I had to commute to the church in Kansas City, which is how I met Heather and Rusty. Mm-hmm. So in Germany, I was told about two churches that spoke English in that town that I was in, which is Ulm in Baden-Württemberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they both were serving the American military base in Neu-Ulm, which is just across the river. There's several bridges, so it's easy to get across the river. And one of them was a charismatic church. And you remember I, t- I told you about my influence from those anti-charismatic... Yeah, you were told that charismatic people were evil or just, yeah, so, just not right. Yeah, so I, I joined the other church, which turned out to be conservative fundamentalists. And they even the pastor had graduated from a university that did not allow blacks and whites to date oh, because really? it was, they thought it, there was a, it was against the Bible. So I did not know that part when I first joined that church. I thought, just thought, oh, it, it's a good church. It's a Bible-believing church. Good. And, and, and they, they were a Bible-believing church, except they had this very big blind spot, which, I, which became really clear to me because one day, a mixed couple came. Mm-hmm. Like my wife, Jean, and I. The husband, the, the, yeah, yes, like you, uh, the, except it was the other way around. The mm-hmm. husband was an African-American. Mm-hmm. And the wife was an, a Caucasian American. Mm-hmm. And nothing was said but in, in the main service. But during a small group Bible study, I overheard some of the other members saying, did you see that disgusting sight at, on Sunday? And I said, oh. what disgusting sight? Uh, so they're racist. They were, yeah, they were racist. And I just... I just blew my top and I, I started quoting, you know, there's neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free nor man. <laughs> oh, good on you. Good on you, Ian. I, I, Thank you. And, and <laughs> one, of, one of them pulled me aside, one of the more liberal ones pulled me aside and said, yes, uh, but you know, it's their culture. It's part of their culture. And they, uh, I went to the pastor. Now, now, we should clarify these were Americans living in Germany. Right. These were Americans living in Germany. Mm-hmm. And um, I went to the pastor and and he, he, he's, he said that, uh, yeah, he's not comfortable, but he realizes that it, it should not be a, the problem. I, I asked him, would you like to, your son, he said, you, you will not be comfortable with your son marrying uh, an African-American. He said black or Negro. I can't remember. This, mm-hmm. this was in the 80s. Okay. <laughs> this was in the 80s. So, but anyway, so he, he said, but, but he realized that, yes, all, all people are made in the image of God. And he, he was uncomfortable but you know what this was a mixed church because of course you you can't have a white church and a black church in germany so they had whites and blacks going to that church white families and black families going to that church which they were willing to tolerate but he's just not willing to tolerate a a mixed family oh so you're saying there were both blacks and whites going to this church yeah that was fine you're, you're serving you're serving a military base yeah they're going to be black soldiers and white soldiers yeah but that was okay. But the people were still like against mixed marriages. But you know what? Looking back, I realized a couple of months later, he appointed a black man as a deacon. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder now, did he, it was the first time there was a black man as, as, in the leadership. I wonder now if maybe the Lord touched his heart mm-hmm. and that's why he did that. And he's like, okay. I have to get away from this seminary that I graduated from that prohibited blacks and whites from dating. I need mm. to see things more. So here was a man who came from a racist fundamentalist 
background. Mm-hmm. But God could change his heart to the point that he appointed as one of the the leaders of of his church a black man. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, we often have this attitude about race. We who are not racist <laughs> often have this attitude about oh this this incorrigible racist. Well, they are still humans. They're still made in the, in the image of God, and God can change their hearts. Mm-hmm. Well, that was part one of Eric Scadabo having a chat with Dr. Ian Choi, who currently lives in Malaysia, but as we heard, has spent some time living in the United States and Germany. We invite you to join us again next time to hear more of Ian's story and more of the challenges he's gone through. Once again, Ian didn't come from a Christian family and background, so it was interesting to hear how he was able to navigate through his early Christian life while experiencing hypocrisy and doctrinal differences in the church. But the good news is that God has been faithful through it all and leading and guiding Ian. As the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Well, until next time, when we'll hear more of Ian's story, I'm Jimmy Colfax encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. Um, a lot of people are like, why are you going back to Malaysia? Everybody wants to stay in the United States. The, the, first of all, you, you don't have the discrimination because of your race and religion. And there's more opportunities. The income is better and everything. But I realized that God was calling me back. And Malaysia needs a witness for Christ. Dr. Ian Choi joins us once again from Malaysia to share his story of becoming a Christian in his teenage years without any Christian background and having to navigate through denominational differences on his own. We'll hear how the Lord leads him through it all and the lessons he's learned next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.